0: This week on the show, we're bringing on Greg Foss from LogRhythm. He's their head of global security operations. Our technical segment this week is going to talk about what was a zero-day vulnerability and associated exploit. Well, I guess most of them start out that way. But uh, in Outlook Web Access two-factor authentication bypass, uh, in our stories for the week, regulation on the internet of things and some awesome insights uh, from a very uh, well-known figure in information security. We'll weigh in on that. Um, Hackers hijack Philips Hue light bulbs to cause, well, uh, mass panic and hysteria, of course. Uh, Netflix will address some account takeover bugs. Uh, Facebook actually buys back passwords on the black market. Uh, Some hid device hacking. And so much more. So stay tuned for this edition of Paul's Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. by. The SANS Institute, the most trusted source for computer security training, certification and research. Visit sans.org to explore the full curriculum and latest training offerings. Onapsis, the leading provider of solutions to protect ERP systems from cyber attacks. Customers can secure their SAP and Oracle business critical platforms from espionage, sabotage and financial fraud and risks. Visit them on the web at onapsis.com. Pony Express Check out their line of penetration testing devices, including the Pone Pad, the Pone Phone, and the Pone Pro. For enterprises, there's Pone Pulse, providing continuous visibility into wired, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth spectrums across all physical locations, including remote sites and branch offices. For all those hard-to-reach places, there's Pony Express. Visit them on the web at PonyExpress.com. Welcome everyone to Paul's Security Weekly. This is episode 489 for November 10th, 2016. I am, of course, your host, Paul Asidorian. Larry, I don't know if you had an introduction for me. I kind of just blew it, but anyway. <laughs> I, I
1: that, it. that was actually going to be my introduction. The man who
0: blows everything. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone. <laughs> Wait. Wait. So there's your introduction. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Thanks for that, Larry. Um, so I want to welcome everyone. Whoa, we got some echo going on. Uh, we, we got some, some people on via Skype. I'm flying solo here in the studio. Uh, Mr. Jeff Mann, crypto analyst, infosec analyst, pioneering ex-NSA pen tester and PCI specialist, and of course certified curmudgeon joins us. Mr. Jeff Mann, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks Paul, good to see you virtually yes, again. Yes. Virtually.
0: And I got to I, I got to just uh, ask you
2: very quickly. Say say the word after me crypt analyst.
0: Crypt analyst. Oh, like tales from the crypt. I get it now. Yeah, there you go. Crypt. Not crypt. O. Right. There's no O involved. There's no O. That's well, there no. is, but it's been encrypted. That's it. <laughs> Mr. Larry Pesci is here with us. He's the director of research and senior managing consultant at In Guardians, as well as the destroyer of embedded systems. Welcome, Larry.
1: Thank you, sir. And apparently tonight, I'm also destroy- the destroyer of vehicles.
0: Yes, you had some car <laughs> issues, which is why Larry's, <laughs> Larry's not here. Some vehicle, vehicular issues yep, going on yep. there. St-
1: Duck brake caliper, blown brake line, and overheated Jeep. Not good. All in the same vehicle.
0: (laughs) Not good. That's not good. Doug White is here with us. He's the director of cybersecurity programs for Roger Williams University. Did I get that right, Doug?
1: You did get it right. I'm the chair of cybersecurity department at Roger Williams University. Excellent. Thanks for joining us
0: tonight, Doug. Doug. You got an echo. Did you find those headphones, Doug? You can't find them. We have that problem in the studio a lot. We can't find things. We'll get it worked out. Um, a quick announcement. Take our super cool survey. That's right. We want to hear from you, the listeners. Securityweekly.com forward slash survey. If you go there, you can fill out the survey. It's only like 12 or 13 questions. I would greatly appreciate if all of our listeners would go there and fill out the survey. Securityweekly.com forward slash survey. Tell us uh, what you think of the show. Tell us which shows you watch and listen to. And more importantly, give us some feedback so that we can further shape our podcast network for you, the listener, so you get to customize us. That is if we listen. And we will listen. We've already been listening. Uh, So we've already actually run some segments based on your feedback. So securityweekly.com forward slash survey. All righty. Our interview for this evening is none other than Greg Foss, who is Logarithms' head of global security operations, where he's tasked with leading both offensive and de- defensive aspects of corporate security. Previously, he was a senior researcher with the lab's threat intelligence team. Uh, he's given security talks at Black Hat, DerbyCon, AppSec USA, besides Las Vegas, and others. He comes from the Denver area, where there's a strong presence in the uh, information security community out there. Um, you started as a, a contract web developer and then branched into security. Uh, and you, you've got a lot of fun things to talk about. I'm very excited to bring on Mr. Mm. Greg Foss. Greg, welcome to the show.
3: Uh, thanks so much for having me, Paul. I've been a long-time listener, so yeah. great to actually be on the on the show. And Greg
0: and I met at a security conference, many security conferences. I don't remember what the first one was. Um, but this is you, true. You had worked for probably Logarithm. At the time when we met, which you've been working there a long time then because we met uh, quite a few years Mm ago. Uh,
3: I think so. Yeah, probably. So I've been here around three years now. So nice. Probably right when I joined Logarithm was when I uh, when I first met you in person.
0: Yeah. And Greg said, like, you yeah, know, I've been listening to the show, and uh, I work for Logarithm, and I'm like, oh, I really think logarithm has got a, a cool company. And uh, we're, we, Greg and I decided that Logarithm should be a sponsor for the show. <laughs> now, it took three years for us to get there, but Greg was like, you have a cool podcast, and I'm like, well, you work for a cool company. So uh, we've stayed in touch ever since, and now here you are, a guest on the show Uh, And you're Mr. Fancy Pants head of global security operations now. Congratulations (laughs) publicly on that, Greg. That's awesome. Um, So, Greg, uh, uh, kind of expand upon uh, being a web developer and how you got your start
3: in information security true sure thing so i think i've always kind of been interested in this type of thing um my my initial interest in security i think branched from when i was pretty young i used to uh i used to be very into like magic and things like that as a kid and then um we got aol at home and my friend and i started messing around on there and oh no oh
0: no no greg oh, no. No. It, come back magic. greg you, you it was magic you froze there oh no Is it? You ended. You ended with we got AOL. That's ah. That was last week, or (laughs) no? This is when you got your start in
3: information security. Ah, yes. Continue (laughs) after you got AOL. Yeah. All right. So um, so one of my friends and I, we started realizing like you could actually do a lot of fun pranks and things like that over the internet. Um, so I was in middle school at this time. And we started going into the chat rooms and using fishers and punters and all the little script kitty tools. And, and uh, I ended up getting in a lot of trouble, actually. Like To this day, I'm not to be an AOL customer because of this, um, <laughs> which I'm very heartbroken over. I, you must <laughs> be all broken up about that, dude. <laughs> i very, very heartbroken, but... um. But but it was fun. We um you know after that I, I got a tremendous amount of trouble. Fortunately there weren't really many laws around it at that time, and plus I was very young, so I didn't really get in much trouble other than being completely banned from AOL. But that kind of just opened the door, and and then we realized like oh here you know there's other ways to get free internet and things like that. So it, it kind of opened the door into that realm for me, and um, from there it just kind of grew. Like it was something I've always been been interested in. Um, and then I went to college, I was actually a uh, psychology major to start out with, got away from computers for a while, and when I was getting close to graduating, I was kind of wondering, that, you know, what am I going to do with a, with a psychology degree, I'm not sure I want to be a counselor or something like that. Um, and then I watched uh, Red Team, which was or Tiger Team, uh, Chris Nickerson's show back in the day. And you were like, and I want to be like Chris,
0: and Chris like I, lives in the same city that I live in and stuff, so I could be like Chris. Uh,
3: I was I was amazed. I was just like, wow, this is a job that people do. Like you can get paid to go and test company security and and do all these fun things. And and so I was like, wow, this is this is incredible. So at that at that time, I actually decided to make my minor, which was a uh, computer information systems, uh, another major. And so I ended up uh, completing school with the computer information systems degree, and then. Uh, went from there, I wanted to really get into security. Um, so when I was in college finishing up that degree, I started uh, just a small web development business where I was making websites for a lot of local businesses around the college uh, campus and community. Um, and then from there, I, I was fortunate enough to get hired on at the Department of Energy where um, they were looking for just young security people. And so I was, I was very fortunate to get in at the ground there and, and kind of work my way up. So it's been a, been a fun ride. So,
0: um, what was the focus of some of your research when you started at uh, Logarithm?
3: So, essentially, We focused a lot on um, taking some of the attacks that we were seeing, um, some of the stuff that I saw when I was working for the government, and um, looking at ways to better defend against those attacks, Um, primarily primarily focused on log data, um, network flow analysis, and those type of things. So we could focus on how we can add these rules to logarithms tool sets. Um, so that was a huge focus there. Uh, we also did some offensive research. Um, some of the stuff we presented at, at uh, B-Sides was on uh, wireless um, attacks following some of Larry's Larry's work there, which was really cool stuff uh, to study and, and kind of learn from. Um but there's just so many things, like so many different areas um, that we could have focused on. So we were trying to focus on mainly, you know, some of the the advanced attacks that we were seeing um, in the news and things like that. A lot of things that were were making headlines and what our customers were being hit with. Um, we would take those back to the lab and and essentially run simulations and and see how we can better improve our rule sets to detect this sort of thing.
0: Um, so uh, with Logarithms products are you uh, primarily focused on logs specifically or are you collecting network traffic or endpoint uh agents as well? Is all that in the mix now for logarithm
3: yeah exactly so so we focus on a little bit of everything. we try and get um, you know take the endpoint agents that were we have pushed out within our own environment and also within our lab environment where we simulate various yeah. uh <laughs> different types. Sorry,
0: Doug's just testing his microphone. It works, Doug. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you, sir.
3: And um, so essentially what it is is it's a mix of all of these different technologies. Because um, using just one one type of, of, of data, you you can't really get the whole picture. So so we try and combine as much as we can, um, especially you know focusing on uh, logarithms, product lines, so the network monitor, the SIM, those types of things. Um, but lately we've had a, a significant increase in focus on endpoint agents. Um, we've been working a lot with uh, Carbon Black lately, and how we can take all the data we're getting from the endpoints there, pipe that into the sim, essentially, and um, take, you know, essentially figure out the best ways to improve uh, our data collection there, and then, alter- and on top of that, automate our response to threats that we're seeing on the network. That's cool, so because only-
0: you get to play with a lot of different uh, technologies, and I think that's somewhat unique. Um, well, also, what I thought was interesting, Greg, was... Uh, you guys have a quarterly hacking competition within the company. Is that true? Mm-hmm. And do you have beer on tap in 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 your office? Is that
3: not <laughs> not on tap? I've got oh. a I've got our little Logtoberfest here. Nice. So very nice. We uh the company is a fun company to work for. We do. Wait, is that like, Logrhythm's own beer? Thing. Is that a Logarithm branded beer? It's it is a Logarithm beer. Wow. Uh, essentially, it's like log- from Sanita's. Is it a, a logger or? Uh, this is an oh, IPA. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, 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 wow. <laughs> really, all I know it is it should have been a lager. <laughs> it should have been I a lager. To send us some. It Yeah,
0: we need some of that. Paul, we'll oh, that's, that's about impressive. the missed opportunity. Uh, we, we'll here in Rhode Island, stuff. we call it a lager. It's a lager. Lager beer. <laughs> uh,
3: so, so, tell me about this. Uh, you guys have hackathons? It, it log- yeah, so it's a really fun thing uh, that we get to be a part of. Every every quarter they do this where they give you essentially three days. Um, you develop a team and you just come up with some problem you want to solve or just some some new uh, technology you want to develop or just play around with. And um, and so you have three whole days where you can just solely focus on this and and. It, it's really funny. You get to see at the end of it, everyone goes to this meeting room and, and everyone that competed presents what they did. So you get around five minutes to present your uh, your idea that you came up with and show a demo and show a use case and things like that. And then there's prizes associated. So some of the categories they have are most innovative, um, most awesome. They have most shippable. So so the most shippable ones usually do end up in the product. mm mm-hmm. um, and then there's a best internal tool as well. So these could be things that, like, improve the QA team's process in right. evaluating the code and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun. It's awesome. Um, so one of those
0: was a phishing intelligence engine. Tell us about that. Uh, yes.
3: So, so that was the one uh, that my team did for the last hackathon. Uh, fortunately, we, we ended up winning uh, one of the prizes, which was very cool. Um, but essentially what, what we tried to do um, was we set out to try and solve the phishing problem that a lot of companies are seeing. Because um, it's something my team deals with all the time. It's a giant time waster for us. Something that would know, be great if, if we could automate a lot of this process. So essentially one of the things... Um, that we started setting out to do was looking at, um, we, we started with Office 365, because that's a, a big uh, customer base of ours is using that now because everyone's trying to move to the cloud. So we started out with a test instance of Office 365. And the first problem there was figuring out how we're going to get O365 logs back into the sim, right? And that's a big thing we've been facing a lot lately is, is this cloud log collection. Mm-hmm. So with that, we developed uh, API integration to pull the message tracking logs directly into the SIM. And then from there, we were just tracking this and we would do polling. And then uh, we set up rules based off of the message tracking for any time anyone reported a phishing email, they would send it to this mailbox that we have set up. And this is something where we're actually looking at pushing out internally uh, this first part of the the project, where we just give everyone a, uh, a button essentially in their Outlook client that they can click whenever they see a phishing message. It, it wraps it up, sends the whole message over as an attachment to us uh, with the headers and and everything like that intact. So something that um, you know, so then we can get the whole message and then we know about it right away. So what we did was use those message tracking logs to track those messages coming in, and then we would scrape metadata from those logs uh, using a separate PowerShell script, and from there uh, we would take the subject or, and the sender and all these other uh, key elements. They're associated with that message and go back out to O365, and see how many users received that message. Um, you know, if they'd opened it yet, if if it had an attachment, if it had links and things like that, and pull all this data back into the SIM and generate a case so we could track all this information. Um, so and then- you
0: can uh, sorry you can reach into Office 365 and determine all of that information. Is that via their API? Did you say?
3: Yeah, yeah, so we were doing that with the API, um, essentially using a trick that uh, I saw on the uh, Black Hills uh, website just earlier, I think it was this week, the, uh, the multi-factor bypass.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk um, about that in our technical segment. You're welcome to stick around for that as well. Oh, thank you. In fact, please uh, do, because no one from BHIS was able to be here to talk about it, so <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> having another technical resource to talk about it in addition to everyone else on the lines
3: via Skype would be awesome. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be great. It's, they have a lot of good stuff on that blog, by yeah. the way. They're like, really
0: cool. We say they're wicked smart. Wicked smart.
3: <laughs> that they are.
0: So so, so um, you used a, a method that Bo talked about in his
3: uh, OWA uh, research? Exactly. Um, except I didn't even know it was bypassing multi-factor at the time because we were just using a demo environment and we didn't have a multi-factor set up on it. So we were just accessing it directly and and didn't even think about it really when we were doing it. And then when I read that blog post, I was like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense now." Mm. So so it's it pretty neat to to see that come out. Um,
0: so um, but, your, is your trigger uh, to determine if uh, uh, an email is a phishing email uh, receiving an email from a user and then going back to ex- uh, the exchange and, and looking for that uh, those indicators?
3: Exactly. And that, that's, that's cool. something where, um, yeah, we're we're kind of relying on the fact that at least one user within the organization would report it. Um, mm-hmm. And we were hoping there would be more. Um, but usually as long as you get one user to report it, Um, that's that's pretty good because there's a chance that you'll get, you know, 20 or so other users who have received the same message. So that was something where... It it was hard to find any other indicators to trigger off of without dynamically analyzing the links and stuff like that uh, within all the messages and parsing out all of that content, which would be very hard to do just because, you know, very resource-intensive and and it could hold messages up and things like that. So we kind of went the route of hoping that users would, at least someone would notify us of the phishing message. Um, Uh, So is so
0: is that available or in a product or not available?
3: Not yet. So something we, we just did for the hackathon, so we, we quote-unquote hacked it together, mm-hmm. but it is something, um, since we since we did win in the hackathon, it is something that will likely end up in the product uh, very soon, as soon as we are able to fully flesh it out and, and put something out there that's uh, good for public consumption.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, because right in now, three days, yeah. right, even a, a yeah. team of people in three <laughs> days, when you crank out code, believe me, I know I know what it looks like. It's not pretty. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Right. Especially anything I write. It's It's me
0: too. Yeah, if I crank something out if it's fast, it's forget it. Even if I spend my time on it, it's it's still not great by any stretch yeah. <laughs> i mean <laughs> if it was it be... we'd be software <laughs> engineers right we're not i'm not exactly. a software engineer. Right?
3: <laughs> well unfortunately um one of the guys on my team is a software engineer Ooh. so he actually did a lot of the the heavy lifting lifting on that part right. so his um, code the, probably okay.
0: his code probably looks awesome and he's like this is shippable and then the code yeah. is like, we write it's like yeah no
3: <laughs> yeah I, I add like a couple lines <laughs> to it I, he's I, like, think, this is I think i think a lot of modern code uh
1: can you hear? Yeah, I think yep. a lot of modern code gets shipped out like that, and that's why a lot of zero days exist. Just because when we were doing code development, you know, you get calls down there saying you've got to fix this module, and it's like it's got to be fixed in the next forty-five minutes, and you don't have time to sit down and write this nice academic quality code that you right. would you would expect.
0: Yeah, right. and you're like bounds checking, user input checking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can well, so, yeah. I can I so mean, save so like, much time. It works. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, and, and so that's why I probably won't be ready for, for a little while. That's understandable. Um,
0: um, yeah. So you did another uh, hackathon project, uh, and it's hey, interesting. Oh, so, ball, so, sorry, do we want to go back this? and have a question? Yes. Sorry, Larry, Jeff.
2: Uh, I know sorry. you're all alone in the studio, so you, th- you think you're winging it. But uh, I, I'm intrigued by the... I never wing it. You, you mentioned that you're relying on a, at least one user to report that the the phishing email is a problem can you, can you expand on that a little bit that i find that interesting because yeah. you know, how often do we rely
3: on users to do the right thing right right and that's and that's kind of the key downfall with with that approach really um it's the other the other things we looked into were other areas that we could trigger on. Um, but essentially, working here, fortunately, we have a very uh, knowledgeable user base, uh, something I haven't really had the luxury of with uh, some of the other places I've worked at. But here, they kind of try and drill into everyone who works here, um, you know, the, the fundamentals of security. And and they allow us to do some interesting uh, phishing tests and stuff like that with our employees. Um, so we've done, like, wireless uh, Rogue hotspots Bots, USB drops, um, all sorts of fun stuff internally. That um, you know, it's it's rare that you get the chance to do that kind of level of training with um, with internal security at companies. Usually, that's something where they bring in contractors and stuff like that, um, someone like like you guys to run those exercises. But for us, they try and try and drill it into our users. So we've actually seen that a lot of them are are very good at reporting this type of thing. But of course, you know that's. Not always true. There's always the, the people who slip through the cracks and some folks who, who are always going to be susceptible to these types of attacks.
0: Well, I'd assume that the one person could also be from the security team. You know, if you're working for that organization, if the security team noticed something, they could forward it to the address and then it would do the analysis of who else may have been susceptible as well
3: exactly when uh, on top of the analysis of just the messages and who all received them um, what we also do is we take those links that are included in there and then we'll do checks against them mm. um, so we'll we'll do lookups on those to see if they're known malicious sites um, we we've actually been running a lot of this through uh, uh, Cisco amp threat grid just to see you know basic analysis of course um, there's always risk with that because you don't want to upload every file that is being passed over the network up to the internet, um, so initially, we'll do like uh, hash checks against uh, attachments that are received against VirusTotal, mm-hmm. um, but we won't take the next step of actually uploading the file because right. that's something we want, we do want user intervention. Um, so if it's something that doesn't exist up there, it's never been seen before. That's something that we'll go to one of our analysts for manual analysis, just because you know so much risk with information leakage and things like that.
0: Um, um, so it's interesting, your other uh, hackathon project that you talk about here is a home network monitor. Uh, we've actually interviewed uh, start, a startup, uh, and I know there's others out there as well. And I, I even think Belkin and some other manufacturers have products in this space. Um, but essentially, a small, it's like an IoT device to help secure all your other IoT devices in your home network. Um, right, and I've seen a lot of. But you guys did a hackathon project about deploying a, a network monitor to protect the home network. So tell us about that.
3: Oh, for sure. So, so the network monitor—it's uh, one of our main product lines. It's a uh, network forensics. Tool where essentially, um, you know, not like an IDS or anything like that. It's more just a, a analysis engine um, where we look at the flows, we take the sessions out, we do full uh, packet capture and and things of that nature. Um, and so, with the release of Netmon Freemium, we wanted to give people an easy way to actually run this in their home networks and and start playing with it in a way that you know they don't have to get an entire uh, blade out and, and install this and have it up and running and have a SAN connected to do full PCAP and things like that. So what we did was scaled down the the software and the hardware to make it in a very compact and, and small device that someone could put on their home network and essentially put between their router and their and their cable modem to sniff all of the network traffic that's going in, in and out of their network. Um, I actually brought the one we made in right here. Oh, nice. So what is this you, little guy. What did you guys use for a board? So we, we just got this little uh, – it was a KOTOM uh, micro PC. Okay. So it was $179 on Amazon. Yeah. So 60-gig hard drive. Yeah. What's the no. uh, What's the processor and RAM and stuff? Uh, so, uh, so this is actually just 8 gigs of RAM. Um, CPU on this, I think – I actually don't know what it is. I'll have to go look it up. Um but essentially it's okay. it's we want okay. to get Make very small. Up. Make something up. You're turning me on. Keep going. Yeah. I know. I know. That's <laughs> sexy. We love we love there we, we go. love embedded systems. <laughs> well, yeah, no, show me the, the back. Yeah. Yeah. that a s is that a, is oh, that is oh, that a yeah. serial
0: is that a VGA port or a serial
3: port? That that is a VGA port Who right cares? there bees doesn't doesn't even matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but essentially that yeah, was a great And what was the, I'm price.
0: sorry, Greg, what was the name of it again to so, just so people know so they're gonna search for it on Amazon?
3: Oh, is Q T O M uh quotom micro PC. Okay. I can send you guys the link to Um, there's a link to the blog post where we did a whole write up on essentially how to build one of these. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's actually been really oh, yeah. cool. To,
0: it's I, in there. Oh. It, your link to the blog post is in the show notes. Wiki.securityweekly.com, uh, dot uh, dot com episode forty nine. Right. Yeah, so your link is in there.
3: Ah, uh, very cool. No, it's a, it's a fun device. So as soon as we made this, I, I started running it at home just to see how it worked and, and measure the latency. Um, we actually used just a Throwing Star LAN tap to yep. essentially the network connections. And for a home network, that's that's actually perfect. Like, I didn't really notice much degradation in my my, uh, my quality of my connections, um, probably because I have Comcast. but So it wasn't that good to begin with. Oh, but.
0: so that's interesting. So it's uh, 4 gigs of RAM, a 32 gig SSD... And a seller on J1900, which isn't a bad processor for doing what you're doing, uh, and 4LAN, and that is a VGA port, USB 2.0. For this mm-hmm. listed as $198 plus $29 shipping, which is interesting, uh, which oh. even still is not a bad price for that, uh, having spent way too much time looking at embedded systems on, <laughs> on the internet. So they do have other models that some are cheaper, some are more expensive.
3: From right. quote Quotom? Q O T O M, yeah. Right. Nice. And so we. Yeah, so this is a fun project, essentially. I um, actually found some interesting stuff on my home network once I, once I plugged this in. Um, so it's just interesting, you know, because not a lot of people will actually run a full IDS at home. Not a lot of people have, like, a PFSense box or something like that where they can um, actually understand their, their home network security. Um, so that's something where we just wanted to make a really easy and simple way for people to, to use uh, the network monitor product in a way that they uh, might actually benefit them.
0: Yeah, and I, what I found too is not uh, many people outside of our field understand Bro and how to use Bro, <laughs> which oh, is yeah. another great open source uh, tool for that. So,
3: uh, this is great exactly when you could put security onion on this box too um so it's just a great little little pc for this um and taking it a step further there was uh, another group at this last hackathon they decided to make because uh, they wanted to to compete with the micro pc we put together they decided to throw netmon on a usb and so so that was pretty cool just a live boot usb um so something great for if you're like out in the field and you want to show a customer or something like that what uh what the product's capable of you can just boot off the USB. Um, we, we also looked at trying to do this on a Raspberry Pi as well. The hard part is we would have to change uh, everything about it because of the architecture wouldn't yeah,
0: work. Yeah, because it's ARM, right? Mm-hmm.
3: It's problematic. Um, right. So we only looked into that briefly, but <clears throat> essentially, you just ended up on this guy because it's small enough that you can uh, you carry it around with you. Um, it was funny; we put together a video for the hackathon of this, and the use case we decided to go with was a, a red team scenario. We had uh, one of my friends, Shell, crawling under the floorboards in our data center and hooking this up, and put a little nice note saying, "Is from IT, not to move it and stuff like that." So, nice. so this was fun. It's, it's this hey, day I, uh, I don't want to
0: embarrass it. them, but did your IT department yeah. find
3: it eventually or? Oh, well, they knew, so... Oh, okay, so, so they were you aware gave them a heads up. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if we did just go plug this in, yeah, be uh, I would hope they knew, because that yeah. would be... <laughs> well, <if they're>, like, <laughs> don't do that either, right? Because that exactly, will get you in trouble. Yeah.
0: It's not like hacking yep.
1: AOL. It's it's different now. We, we, built, we, built a <laughs> bunch, we built a whole bunch of those little toaster-type boxes like that for uh, network management right. that we were using in Marriott. And uh, Marriott was trying to charge us by the user for people. So we built a bunch of little, they they were a little bigger than these QTOMs because it was a few years ago, but same idea. And I think that's a really good home and a home market is to find a way to utilize these boxes, maybe with some kind of distributed monitoring or something like that. Because if you, people at home, you know, need something and and small businesses and people like that are all looking for solutions like this. So I, I think there's definitely some market out there for this.
3: Oh, very cool! Yeah, and that's kind of what we were what we were going for. Because I mean, right now, uh, with with the diverse uh, way people work now, a lot of people just work from home, and when they're working from home, they may not have the same protections that they do at the mm-hmm. at the enterprise. You know, they're not going to be running a web proxy at home, and they're not going to be running all of these additional security controls there. And and that's one of the things we've noticed a lot is. Um, a lot of the f- infections I've dealt with in the past are people going home, working from home, and then bringing their computers back on the corporate network. And then all of a sudden it sets off our alarms. And so so that's uh, definitely a big problem, protecting the home network.
1: Well, and then we I, saw I, the whole I, I do attack. think you could, Go ahead, Doug. you could probably market uh, this pro- – I think you can market the product to people that are telecommuting because I know that I built a couple of systems like that just for that, what you just described. For people, we had a, we had some people that were working in Germany, and they wanted to be VPN back. And there was a lot of concerns about things getting connected to that, things getting pushed into that network. And there was some security risk at the national security level when we were doing that. And I know my wife worked from home for several years when we moved here from Denver. And she was commuting back to Denver, and we had that same problem. And I built another box. Uh, I built one of those little toasters that I put down in the basement that just... Was basically a sock on that VPN she was on because we actually felt threatened at our house by people at her company because they weren't securing things on the other end and they were getting pushed down the VPN towards us and I was like, well, I'm afraid of these guys, so we built some monitoring stuff on our end. That's nice. It goes both ways. Um.
0: <clears throat> So the uh, I, I, we could talk about this topic all day long because it's right in our, our wheelhouse uh, here on Security Weekly for sure. Um, also, I can see this product, one last thing I want to mention about this uh, particular project, Greg, was I can see this project uh, and this product being able to help people with IoT device security. We're going to talk about Definitely. that in the news segment. Um, Bruce and I actually had some some great insight uh, as he always does, he is spot on, obviously. He's one of the, the I think, greatest thinkers in terms of concisely describing the problem uh, that we have. And But I can see this product helping that problem. He's got some yeah, bigger ideas agree. on how to help this problem, but this is a lot more tactical. Um, it does require the user go out and purchase something, or maybe we bundle this in so that when you get Internet access... Everyone gets one of these devices that helps them be more secure, and I don't want to. This is obviously isn't like a magical unicorn, right? But it helps right. your overall level of security. Yeah, I exactly. was
2: kind of wondering if there's an application. I don't know what you call it, but like you know, the electric company they they want you to install a little device so they can regulate you know your power and you know kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do little mini brownouts, and they'll 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 give you a little kickback in terms of your your you know, your electric bill. I'm wondering if there's some sort of application similar to that for you know ISPs to to push these out to their customers yeah. to to somehow take advantage of something.
0: Yeah, like don't sure. ransomware my thermostat or use my embedded <laughs> devices or IoT devices to launch distributed denial of service attacks. Right well, if it could but, do that and, but, we and, were, and if
2: you and if you participate you get some sort of kickback yeah, right yeah that, we were just, there we I go. was
1: ta- I was talking about that in a meeting today with some national like DC people and we were talking about how small businesses and home users needed some kind of a sock that was going to be used to monitor and, and, you know, it wouldn't have to be that huge when you're monitoring just home users or even small businesses. So I think, you know, going to somebody like an ISP and bringing a product like that to them is very in the very near future. So that, that, that would definitely be marketable to them. Oh, very cool.
2: I I mean, I know you're going to bring it up in the news segment, Paul, but this, this kind of relates to the whole internet of things and, and, you know, government—you know—smart government intervention versus uh, not smart government intervention. Yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> this is something to pursue here.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great alternative. Um, Greg, also, you wanted to uh, talk about uh, endpoint agent integration into the SIM, and this is—I think—it's a really interesting area, and we cover a lot of the enterprise solutions that are available to us on our Enterprise Security Weekly show. Make sure you go to securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe uh, to go listen to that show. Uh, but I find it interesting. We, uh, that's why I asked a question in the beginning of the interview about how um, I always think that companies that can take data from logs and sniff data from the network and take data from an endpoint, like that's where it's at. And anyone that can do that with any degree of success, I think that's really the future of network so-called network or security uh, monitoring. Um, so you've got a project going on where you're trying to pull in some of your endpoint agent data and the information that they're collecting into your SIM environment. How is that going and what does that look like?
3: Exactly. So um, so the endpoint market right now, uh, it's there's so many different endpoint agents out there. I mean, we could spend the whole hour, hour here just talking about <laughs> endpoint agents. Um, I'm told so- it's, it's like 40-plus. Yeah, in terms of it's, your choices for
0: endpoint engine, I think it's a bigger plus than just than just 40, but.
3: I think so. I think I think forty would be like the main ones that that people are aware of, yeah. that, that people actually know the names of, and um, and all of them have their different strengths and weaknesses. And and for us, you know, once I, I ended up taking over for internal security and and operations here, the endpoint was a huge focus for us because um, we wanted to not only um, have the best protection for our end users, whether they're on on network or off the network, um, but we also want to work with what our customers are using and build. The best integrations we can within our product. So, um,
0: Greg, you don't uh, LogRhythm doesn't have their own product that is an endpoint uh, agent.
3: We do, we do. Okay. We have an endpoint agent as well. Okay. Um, but a lot of our customers focus their sim agents on servers and things like that. So, we wanted to help model what our, a lot of our customers are doing as well. Oh, so, your um, agent,
0: your agent is a log collector kind of type mm-hmm. agent. Okay.
3: Yeah, and you can do uh, like like DLP, file integrity monitoring, network connection monitoring, and and log management as well. Yeah, I worked for a company.
0: I worked for a company that had a similar agent to that. (laughs) I'm
2: hearing I'm hearing a lot of very familiar terminology. You know what's what's the motivation of your customer base? Why aren't they focusing on endpoints versus servers? Is it because they've got other solutions in place they've already Greg's, invested
0: in, or Greg's or, frozen? Or, you know, obviously, I would think you guys would want to sell. Greg's yeah, frozen yeah. with like a beautiful smile on his face. Oh, uh, no, no, he, <laughs> he came back. It was really funny. Greg was smiling, <laughs> and, and it was frozen. He's back. Did you hear Jeff's question, uh, that's Greg? Funny.
3: <laughs> I, I didn't. It cut out. Okay.
0: Okay. You know, so yeah,
2: you know, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of very familiar terminology in what you were just saying and i'm curious as to why your customer base is is focused more on servers and not on the endpoints you know certainly you guys would want to sell more you know what's their rationale for not focusing on the endpoints is it because they have other solutions they've already invested in or or you know what are your thoughts there
3: yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Um, one of the things we've noticed a lot of people already are very invested with certain uh, antivirus agents. Um, some of them also have have different functionality. Um, so one of the ones we focused on a lot lately has been a uh, Carbon Black. Um, not really to. You know, as something that would compete with our endpoint agent, it, it more augments it, I think. Because um, in addition to collecting logs and everything like that, with Carbon Black, you get kernel level visibility. Um, you're able to actually respond to threats dynamically through the agent directly. And that's something where um, our my IR team has actually found very beneficial because um, we've taken something where you know traditionally you would have to go out to a system that say they got ransomware infection or something like that and and manually pull that system off the network or or and and then take it back and and do forensics on it manually whereas uh, with carbon black one of the things we've really liked there is we can dynamically isolate this host from the network but still allow it to communicate with the carbon black server and then from there we can perform incident response uh, directly on the host uh, without really um, having to go there Manually, unless it's something we we realize, like okay, we really need to go take this off the of network. Um, Great and to that um, extent. No,
0: you said that uh, you did an assessment of around twenty different endpoint protection technologies. Is there anything that you can say publicly, probably without <laughs> naming names? Uh, right. Is there anything you can say publicly that you derived from your research, other than you were able
3: to bypass all of them? Most likely. No. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And, and that's the thing. I mean, there's no perfect agent. And and I think that's kind of the thing people are realizing now. They can't fully depend on these. You have to have a uh, in-depth approach to your security technologies that you're using, um, looking at the endpoint, looking at the uh, connections from that endpoint to the servers in your network, how those relationships are set up. Um, one of the things Great. we've been let, doing let recently.
0: Ask, let me ask oh. a question a different way. Our listeners are out there probably evaluating endpoint uh, protection technologies.
3: What advice do you have for them? My my best advice would be to test these agents against the, uh, the issues that they're running into. Like if ransomware is something that your company has been affected by, what are some agents that will actually help to stop that? Before it gets to the point where, you know, all of a sudden your your desktop's locked up and maybe any shares that it's connected to are affected as well. Um, so for us, it's a little different testing these things, I think, than a lot of our our customers out there because. Um, you know we're being a security company we're very focused on you know what's actually going to be the best protection for our for our users and how do we vet that um part of it is you know not trusting the marketing that's out there and what and what people are saying about it instead make your own opinions test these things yourself develop some some malware uh that you know will actually work and and Test it within your own laboratory in a safe way, so you can understand, you know, what what the limitations of the products you're buying actually are. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's very difficult for a lot of people to actually do realistically.
2: Yeah, I, I would go so far as to say that's pretty pie in the sky for for most mm-hmm. of the customer base that I imagine you guys are dea- that you're dealing with. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I have a PCI background. I, you know, you may or may not be aware of that, and you know, I certainly ran into Logarithm over the years as a sim solution, and and Carbon Black, you know, what used to be Bit9 was a very popular solution for a lot of PCI customers, because not not so much because they were meeting PCI requirements, because they were a compensating control for the lack of controls, at uh, Endpoints, which in the PCI world is point of sale systems, cash registers. Um, right. You know, certainly you guys play in that space still. I would imagine. Um, you know, how do you market? You know what what's your what's your your
3: your uh, your pitch to those types of customers? So. Right. No, very good question. So, so with the uh, you know payment card industry and especially point of sale terminals, that was something where we had a big focus on um, back following the uh, the Target breach, just because you know it was a POS breach, and um, a lot of our customers are retailers, and so one of the things we've been focusing on. Is looking at these POS systems and seeing how we can track the log data from those. And so that was something where I don't have much experience with uh, endpoint agents, so to speak, so anything other than logarithm in terms of those environments, Um, because that's essentially what they would bring uh, us in for, um, was looking at how we can optimize logarithm to better defend this organization against something like RAM skimmers and stuff like that. So the way we would look at that is we would deploy these agents to the point of sale systems, and then we We would do baselines off of those and look at, you know, what's happening on the network from these systems. What are they talking to? What should they be talking to? Um, And we would create these baselines. And then essentially after understanding, you know, uh, essentially the whitelist of what what should be going on in these environments, then we would turn these alarms on. So anything outside of that scope should essentially be picked up. Now that doesn't always happen that way, it depends on how um, they attack these systems. One of the ways we actually deployed this one customer site, and as it was about a week after we deployed this, they found out there was one of their locations that was beaconing out to a location out in Japan. And so stuff like that... it's it's variable um, depending on the type of POS systems are using, how they're deployed, how many remote offices they have, what their budget is. Um, all all those factors are very much a a big uh, a, a big uh, consideration for going in and trying to protect these environments.
2: Sure, sure.
0: <clears throat> so, uh, Greg, today um, uh, one of the things Logarithm is offering is a, a free network uh, monitoring agent. Just uh, as the last kind of thing here, uh, tell our audience a little bit about uh, the free offering from Logarithm and how you get it and what you can do with it.
3: Yeah, definitely. So so Network Monitor Freemium is essentially a free version of our Network Monitor product. Um, the great thing about the free version, it, it actually is the full version. You just can't store as many packet captures. Um, you can't retain data for any longer than three days. Um, but essentially, uh, it will allow you to alarm on activity, it will allow you to do full packet capture on uh, whatever protocols you want. Uh, essentially, it, it is the, the entire Network Monitor product, just in a a free package so that people can try it out and uh, essentially that was part of the reason we developed the little network monitor mini was just to give people a very easy and compact way to deploy uh, network monitor
0: so you deploy it uh similar to like a nids kind of thing mm-hmm. and, exactly and yeah. then it has a, a web interface on that on that box or some way to get the data off of it is there a web interface or is it command line only in the free version
3: no, it's a full full web interface. Okay. So essentially, you can deploy it uh, in multiple different ways. Uh, optimum is is probably mirroring off of off of your switch or firewall, uh, but essentially. Um, you can also run it just in a virtual machine and capture your local system traffic. Mm-hmm. So essentially we just wanted to give uh, something out there for people to play with and, and actually detect some of the stuff that they're seeing on the network. Because um, we tried to build in a lot of uh, standard rules that just look for things like plain text passwords going over the network, um, credit cards being passed in plain text, and just stuff that's like pretty easy to detect but might affect someone on a home network where they might have actually bought something over you know, port 80 without realizing it. Hmm. Um, so we, we tried to enable all these capabilities within the freemium product. Um, the only real limitation is just the uh, the data storage that it allows you to to capture.
0: Sweet, and people can get that on logarithms website, correct? And uh, does that run on Linux? It's a Linux only It
3: does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yep. And so so when you download it, essentially uh, what you would do is boot to it, uh, either the ISO or you can make a bootable USB. And then, um, or you could just install in a virtual machine. Uh, But essentially it comes with CentOS installed. And then on top of that is the uh, Logarithm product or the Network Monitor product. Well, that's awesome.
0: Well, I encourage people to definitely check that out. And now we have five more questions for you, Greg, which if you've been listening to the show, you know what these five questions are. Oh, man. <laughs> My first one is, what are your thoughts on the recent election? Re- no, I'm just kidding. I'm not
3: going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> question one, Greg. Three words to describe yourself. Oh, man. I would say brutally honest hacker.
0: If you were a serial killer, what would be your weapon of choice?
3: I have to go with the Internet of Things. If you wrote a book about yourself, what would the title be? Uh, I, thought, I thought a while about this one. I think uh, the definitive guide to failing gracefully.
0: <laughs> In the popular game of Ask Grabby Grabby, do you prefer to go first or second? Go second. Did you spend a lot of time thinking about playing Ask Grabby Grabby, Greg?
3: Uh, I didn't spend too much time
0: on that one. <laughs> okay, just <checking. laughs> Because he didn't spend time thinking about it, he was actually outdoing it.
3: <laughs> that's it. That's ah, it. there we go. Greg, choose two <laughs> celebrities to be your parents. Uh, so this one, I did think about a bit. I would go with uh, Betty White and Bill Murray. Oh, very nice, very wow. nice.. Okay. I think that'd awesome. be a fun, fun combo. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Greg, I I just don't
1: think think about uh, how you became to be conceived. That's all.
3: (laughs) This is true. That almost
2: begs the who would you pick to
0: be your grandparents question. (laughs) That could be a follow on question, Jeff. It's awesome. All right, so we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. Greg, I think you said you're going to stick around uh, for our technical segment, so that's awesome. Uh, So stay tuned. We'll be right back.